Well, good morning. Grab your Bibles. Grab something to take notes with. We are a Bible-believing, note-taking church. Hey, Henry, waving me down. I love that. We do believe that church is a participation sport, so just like Henry waving me down, I love that, and I would encourage that. Please uh, say if you're encouraged, or tell me if I'm going wrong. Let me know about it. I love it. Good to see you guys here. Thanks for flying in just to hear me preach. This is really fun. Well, if we have not met, like Jordan said, my name is Sam Best, and I'm on staff here at Antioch as one of the pastors here, and I love getting to be a part of this church. This is so fun. My wife and I moved here in 2016, like Jordan said, uh, to help plant the church, and uh, this has been a blast. Um, and uh, I've, I've been here for five years, and uh, they finally asked me to preach. It's about time. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I've actually been asked uh, about preaching more than any other question uh, that has been like brought to me. I've been asked more by you guys. When are you going to preach? When are you going to preach on? Why are you preaching, preacher? You know, what's, what's going on? And uh, honestly, I get asked all the time. So I'm kind of glad that today's happening. So I was like, hey, I did it. So quit asking. <laughs> I did it. No, but seriously, though, I, uh, this is a joy and a privilege for me to be up here today. It's so fun getting to be a part of this. And uh, I, I, didn't, I haven't really known how to answer the question. I'm like, why haven't you preached yet? I'm like, I don't really, I'm not supposed to. I don't think I'm supposed to. I think God's given me a lane to run here. If you don't know, I'm our family's pastor, which is a fancy title for, I get to oversee our life groups here, which is a joy of my life to do. I love that. I get to oversee the people that lead life groups. They lead people in following Jesus together. That's a blast. Uh, and uh, I get to help them uh, help us follow Jesus. So basically, I oversee two of our five core values here, which is making disciples and life groups. And that is a blast for me to do. So I've never really felt the pressure to preach because I'm like, I got a lot going on that I'm trying to do. Uh, but this is really fun. And I've also never really felt pressured to preach because we have an amazing preaching team here. I don't know if that's the official title for the team, uh, but that's what I'm going to use, that we have an amazing preaching team. And uh, because I have the mic this morning, I'm going to honor them. And Andrew's not even here, so he can't come up here and stop me. I'm just going to take the moment to do it. But our preaching team, you guys have no idea. Uh, how good we have it here. We have three people that preach on the regular here, uh, and that's Andrew Zanako, Steve Zanako, and Karis Frigi. And I just wanted to honor them this morning. Uh, I get to see behind the scenes in their lives, more in some than others, but I get to see behind the scenes, and they like live it. They're not just up here talking about it. They live it. In that, I mean, they are giving their lives away to be free to hear from God on our behalf. Like they're living a fasted lifestyle is like a, a, how I like to say it. They are giving their lives away, not being distracted. They're not consuming things of the world so that they can hear from God on our behalf. And I just wanted to honor them this morning. So uh, I, this might be really weird and really awkward, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Can we give them like a, like you gave me, but like a five to eight second standing ovation? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Yes. I love it. That's good. Andrew's not even here. Steve's in the back serving in kids. Like, you know, it's like they're not even here. But I want to honor them today uh, because I, we don't know how good we have it, honestly. They're so awesome. I'm so thankful for them. All right. So let's jump in. Today we are continuing our Christian Living uh, series, which is really fun. I have loved being in uh, this sermon series 
Uh, and in this series, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is teaching us uh, how to reorient from a self-centered lifestyle to a kingdom-centered lifestyle, right? He, it, we, we call this uh, Christian living because Jesus is teaching us how to live in this series and, and through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we've been discussing this dreaded R word in this series, this religion word. And we, we talked about how we can often view uh, religion as this negative thing, as this bad thing. Oh, it's the works. It's the stuff we're striving to do. But in this series, we've been discussing uh, how Jesus gives us a good religion. And we've defined this good religion. We, it, you know, throughout history, we've deviated from this, but we're redefining it here and we're reorienting our lives to this fact that God is giving us good religion. And by that, we mean the rituals, routines, and habits that he's given us to lean in on his grace. It's these rituals and habits and routines to lean on his grace. That's what the good religion is. And like last week, uh, we read in Matthew 6, 1 through 24, uh, and we discussed the idea or concept of living for reward. And Jesus, uh, in here, we talked about how Jesus is speaking to us as one who is concerned for us. He's a father who is concerned on our behalf. He's, he's concerned that we won't live in such a way as to receive the reward. And so he's speaking to us how to live in this way. He's giving us the good religion and he's speaking to us concerning our Christian living. You remember that? Yes, yes. yes. This week, it's participation sport. I love it. <laughs> well, this week we're continuing section three. Uh, called Good Religion, in part three, simply titled Prayer. And we're going to zoom in on what we know as the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew 6, uh, verse 9 through 13. And we're going to read that now. Would you guys stand with me for the reading of the Word? We're going to read Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. They'll be on the screen for you if you don't have them. All right. Verse 9, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right. You can take a seat. That's probably the part I stressed about most things, forgetting to tell you to sit down. And just keep preaching, and you guys are like, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but there, I did it. I made it through that part. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, so before I jump in, though, I do, I, before we jump in to look at this text, I have to say that, and this is really obvious to all of you, I'm sure, but I'm not here to preach this, like, end-all, be-all message on how to pray. Like, that'd be silly of me to expect that any preacher can do that, let alone one that it's their first time to preach. Uh, but uh, I just want to say that out loud. Like, I'm not here, and I'm not putting myself in the authority to define prayer for us. Like, this isn't the sermon that anybody should watch if they want to learn how to pray. They're like, this is the one you send them to. This isn't that. But I am speaking today uh, from a place of authority in that I'm speaking as one of the pastors of this body, and I believe that God is wanting to teach us something today about prayer. He is wanting to lead us like he has been leading us. He's wanting to lead us in reorienting to a kingdom-centered lifestyle, away from self-centered to a kingdom-centered lifestyle. 
Uh, and there is so much that we could talk about in prayer. There is, I mean, it's a massive topic. And obviously, I'm not going to get to everything today in this one sermon, my first ever. I'm not going to get to all of it, okay? So don't expect that. Uh, but as we jump in, I do want you to hear that God is speaking to this body, and I wholeheartedly believe that. And he is speaking to us uh, like a concerned father. When I was preparing for this message, I felt like uh, he was, he's speaking what he wants to say to us today. He's speaking to us in the same tone he was speaking to us last week, mainly because these verses are inside of the verses we read last week. So it makes sense that he would be speaking to us as a concerned father who is leading his children in learning and growing in their understanding of something. And uh, last week, like we said, all of chapter six is that he's concerned that we won't live in such a way as to receive a reward. And so he's speaking to us. So do this. Don't do that. It's, like, it's all about him parenting us and him leading us in living in such a way as to receive a reward. And today, I believe he's speaking to us in that same tone about prayer. He's leading us in growing up in our prayer life and in our understanding and application of prayer to our everyday lives. So I have a five-year-old named Jude. He's amazing. If you've met him, he's awesome. He got all the best parts of both of us and none of the bad. He's awesome. And, and uh, my relationship with him over the past five years has changed dramatically, as that may seem obvious to say. But over the past five years, he's gone from infant to like little boy, which is wild. And I love him. And I'm constantly leading him in, in our relationship, right? Like I'm the one that's leading him in our relationship. And, and in doing so, I've had to like lead him in the way that he and I interact. And what I mean by that is that there are ways that he used to respond to me or used to interact with me when he was two that aren't really acceptable now, Right? And I have had to lead him in that. And I've had to lead him in growing in how does he interact with me. And those ways of responding when he was two were fine then, but it's not really what we're going for now. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's awesome. I, I, wasn't, I didn't even have a, an unrealistic standard on him when he was two to be like he was five, but now he's five. And so th this is not what we're going for anymore. This is what we're going for. And now some of my leading him was uh, and has been telling him where he's gone wrong, but all of my leading is into more relationship with him. Like all of my leading him is like, I want to be with you more. I want to experience more relationship with you. And now that he's five, we can relate on a so much deeper level than we ever could when he was two. We can relate in deeper ways. And I love that. And I invite that. It's what I want. And I believe God is doing the same with us today in our prayer lives. God is leading us and saying, hey, the ways you've been interacting with you, that's fine. Uh, and we, we will touch on some of that today. I'll share some of my story. Maybe it'll be helpful. At, at least it'll be somewhat funny maybe for you to see how I viewed prayer, but I, I believe that God is saying to us, yes, let's acknowledge some of that, but, but really there's an invitation into more today for you that I want to uh, extend to you. I want to highlight that this is on the table for you today. And so I believe the overall message that God is giving us today is one of an invitation into more. And you know what? The more that I'm with him, 
I'm realizing that's something he does. <laughs> like just about everything he speaks to us is an invitation into more. Just about everything he's ever spoken to me on this journey is uh, uh, following him is an invitation into more, into more relationship with him, to be with him more. Sometimes, it, it, like even the rebukes are, hey, don't do that because I want to be with you. And you can't do that. So stop it. You know, so even, even the rebukes are like, I want, he's leading us to be with him. And that's the tone with which I believe he is giving us this message today, which is so fun. All right, so I'd like to point out something else to you as we jump in, that as we look at this tone that God is speaking to us in, I believe that he's been extending this invitation and speaking in this tone to us for a long time now. Like, this is nothing new. Obviously, last week we talked about it in Matthew 6, but like going back three or four sermon series, God has been inviting us into more. He really has. It's been on the table for us for a while now, and I've personally been getting rocked by all that God has been leading us through and how he's been leading us and reorienting and saying, hey, the way that we've done and you've done life, okay, fine, but now let's move forward together. I, I'm calling you in. I'm calling you close to me, and today is just a uh, um, like continuation of that. I mean, you think about it, the, the word for our year is turn aside. And then we had the biblical formation series that we've recently gone through, the letters from Jesus, and now the Christian living. Like these have all been, no, no, turn to me and follow me. Don't do that anymore. Follow me, draw near to me. And I'm so thankful for that. Side note, if you missed any of those or if you haven't watched all of those, I would encourage you to take the time to watch those. Whether you call this place home or not, I would strongly encourage you to go and partake of those, participate in those. In that, I mean, when you watch them, take notes, read along, participate in them, because I believe God is leading us. He's leading his people, and specifically this house. So especially if you call this place home, take some time to watch those, because God is leading us all in this, in drawing near to him and turning aside. And so that's where we find ourselves today. I believe that God is continuing to extend this invitation to us. He's inviting us to reorient our lives, specifically this morning, our prayer lives uh, around him. And God has certainly taken me on this journey. Like I said, I'm going to share some of my story. Hopefully it's a little at least comical for you uh, that, uh, you know, there's things that God has led me in growing up in. And there's sometimes I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, heed that super well. I didn't respond super well. But my whole goal in all of this today is, uh, is just to share with you that we're on a journey. I'm on a journey. And I just want to point out the fact that you're on a journey too. So that's what this is about. I'm going to share some of my story. And hopefully you can see like, yeah, we're on a journey in learning and growing in our relationship with prayer, I think that'll help us then as we come to the text and we look at it and say, okay, but how are you teaching us to pray? Here's how we viewed it. Here's how we can often view it, but how are you teaching us to pray? So most recently, God gave me a word that uh, completely changed my life. And I can talk about it now and kind of laugh about it because it's, it's kind of funny to say out loud, but during our Wake Indy trip, which was our mission trip to here, to Castleton, uh, one morning we're having, uh, every morning we started uh, the day with these morning sessions where we would come and we would get with God and we'd spend an hour and a half, I don't remember, an hour and a half, two hours with God. Some of that was worship, some of that was prayer, some of that was hearing some teaching, and then we were going out to the areas around us and we were sharing our faith, sharing the gospel and one morning, I think it was Tuesday morning of that week, while we were praying, while we were worshiping, I felt like God 
told me something. And uh, it's one of those things you hear, and you're like, okay, I don't want that to be God, but I'm pretty sure this was God. <laughs> he, said, he said to me the phrase, Sam, you have yet to pray a prayer that was not self-centered. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Now, yeah, I know, whoa, right? Yeah, it was intense. I was like, okay, wait a minute. I got some questions here. I've got some questions like, what do you mean? So I, like, I actually pulled some people in like, hey, here's what God's telling me. Let's pray through this. And like, no, it's, I don't know. I think you, I don't feel bad about it. I have peace. I think you need to ask God more about that. I'm like, great. I was hoping you'd tell me that's not of the Lord. Rebuke it. But that's not what happened. So I, over a span of a few weeks, I started to press into this word. Like, God, what are you saying? And a question like that will really make you start to question things. I mean, a phrase like that will make you start to question everything. What I started to do, it went something like this. Wait a minute. Have I been praying wrong my whole life? Like, have I been in the wrong? Like, have I been wrong my whole life? And it, it, it sounds silly to say it, but it even gets to like, do I even know God? Can, can we even pray? Like, can God even hear me? And I started to question everything. And as I've thought about that, and especially in preparing for this message, I realized those weren't the right questions to be asking God. Because I obviously heard from God in that moment. So God spoke to me. I'm like, yes, I can hear from God. Um, God spoke to me. And I realized that the right question, I think, to ask is, okay, then, if I've been praying all self-centered prayers, how do I not do that? Like, how then would you have me pray is maybe the question I should have asked. And now I know you guys wouldn't have heard anything from God in that way because I know you guys and you guys are all really good Christians and you don't hear things like that from God in the sense of you, you know, your lives are rightly oriented, right? But, uh, but I heard that and I had to go on this journey of realizing, okay, I've been praying uh, wrong. I've been viewing my what prayer is wrong. And there's a handful of things that I noticed as I went on this journey with God that I would love to share with you. Uh, because hearing something like that does cause you to go way back and start questioning stuff like, wait, how have I viewed prayer? And where, where have I gone wrong? And how has it been self-centered? And so just a couple of things. Again, you may not find yourself in these because you guys are good, amazing Christians, but uh, at least it might be comical for you to hear how this guy has seen prayer before. <laughs> uh, so again, that's my point. All right, so I have at times, and ashamed to say very recently, viewed prayer as though it was me living my life and then I encountered some stuff that I knew wasn't supposed to be in my life or in some other person's life. And I decided I was going to go to God and ask him, would you come and intervene here? Would you come and take care of this? I'm living my life and I see some stuff that I don't like. So God, now I'll get you involved, you know? And it was like it was a list of things that I'm coming. And this isn't entirely wrong. We see something called intercession in the Bible, sure, where we're, where we're seeing things and we're interceding on other people's behalf. But what I'm talking about is like I'm living my life, not involving God at all, and then I see something and go, okay, I don't like this, and, or I don't want this, or I don't understand this. Now I'm gonna come and get you involved. Like I'm pestering someone that I don't really know to come and take care of some stuff for me. 
And I know you guys never do that, but I have found myself doing that. And I, even, even recently, even working through this sermon and praying through stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, there's, there's inconveniences in my life, whatever. I just, uh, you take care of them, you know? And I, you can see how that uh, sounds a little uh, self-centered. That's not necessarily kingdom-centered prayer. That's me living my life and then asking him to get involved in some stuff that I see or some things that I think need to, I think they need to go this way. So I'm praying for them to go this way. Come and make them look like exactly I think they should look like. Now, you guys have probably never done that, but um, another way that I viewed prayer and uh, I don't know if you've done this one, but uh, I, I have viewed prayer at times as a secondary option uh, to getting things done. I viewed it at times where I'm like, I, God's given me all that I need. You know, I know that. And so what, what do I need to pray for? He's put me in this person's life. Uh, he's put me in, in these people's lives. I can just go and do it. I don't even need to involve him in this. Uh, it's, it's like prayer... At times, I've viewed it as the thing to do when I don't know how to actually meet the needs of the people around me or how to love them. Like, I guess I'll pray for them then. You know, it's, I've, I've viewed it as a secondary option. And you guys probably never done that, but I have at times viewed prayer in that way. And then another way I've realized that I viewed prayer incorrectly as I was looking back is though it's, it, I've actually viewed it as though it's bad religion, that it's not just a secondary option, but that it's wrong for me to strive to get anything done. Like it's wrong for me to toil in that way because God's got it. You know, like he, he knows me. He knows the situation I'm in. He'll speak to me when I need something or when I need to do something or when I need to pray into something, right? It's like we, I have done that before. I have viewed prayer in these ways. And again, um, I just share those to share. Like I've seen how I've been self-centered in my prayer life. And you guys may not find yourself in those, but there was one exercise that I did that I'd love uh, to kind of involve you in this morning that I did when I was preparing for this sermon that I think could be fun to do, or at least it was fun for me. Uh, but as I was preparing for this, I was going through and I was realizing I view prayer incorrectly in these ways. And again, you guys probably never deal with that. But uh, this exercise, I think, will help us all realize that uh, there are uh, ways that we are viewing prayer somewhat uh, incorrectly, and God is wanting to lead us into the more this morning. So this exercise... I think it's really fun. You may hate this, but we're going to do it anyways. I have the mic. So I, I, um, I want you guys to think about your definition of prayer. Like if someone asked you, um, what, what would you say prayer is? Think about that. Like think about the one sentence you would say, here's what prayer is. And then... I want you to think back from now to the beginning of your walk with God, to the beginning of your relationship with Jesus. I want you to think about the number of times that you thought about learning or growing in what you just defined in your own head. I don't know for you, but when I did that, I was astonished at how little I had focused on prayer. I'm like, gosh, I don't think I focused on this that much, honestly. And I only do that with you this morning because I think it, it's, it's a little bit like I'm talking to Jude, like when he's two, I'm talking to myself at two, I'm like, hey, uh, 
or he's at five and I'm saying, hey, at two, you used to do this, but there's so much more we have on the table now. And God was talking to me in that way as I prepared for this, and I believe he is leading us in that way today. So wherever we find ourselves in prayer, however that exercise went for you, whether that was fun or not at all, uh, um, we, I'm thankful that we have all we need to know about prayer, that God has given us all we need to know about prayer in the Bible. And specifically, we are looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer this morning. And we're going to be jumping into that. But all of it, everything that we need to know about prayer is right here in His Word. And even though we're all coming to His Word from different places in our journeys with prayer this morning, we're all getting to come to Him together in this moment. So just side note, want to remind you that we are getting to come to His Word together today in His name and hear from what His Word says. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, and so that's, we're going to jump in to that this morning. So let's look at it. Let's look at what his word says about prayer. We are in Matthew 6 still. And Matthew 6, verse 9, we're going to jump in. And we're going to go through this line by line and just see what God has to say to us about prayer. These are Jesus' words in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in the middle of chapter 6, where he is teaching us how to live in such a way as to receive a reward. In verse 9, it starts, and he says this. Pray then in this way. All right. I've got questions already. (laughs) I got some questions already because I remember last week we were reading in chapter 6, just two verses before this, verse 7. Jesus says, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. So is he saying to pray then in this way every day? Yeah, he is. But is he saying to pray then in this way every day? No. (laughs) I know that's a funny way to say it. A couple weeks ago, Andrew did the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount series that we're doing, Christian Living. He talked about icebergs. And I don't know if we have the fun image of the iceberg this morning, but we all know what an iceberg is. We all know that Jesus, uh, and we've learned about this, but that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is often talking about something. He is saying exactly what he means, uh, and he doesn't mean what you think he's saying, (laughs) that there's so much more to what he is saying than just simply what we see him saying. It's hard, it's hard to get it out. It's hard to say it, but, but he is in these verses uh, saying to pray then in this way. But he doesn't mean to repeat these words every day. Right. Simply to repeat these words every day. He is saying to pray in this way, though, and he meant it. <laughs> so we're going to look at what he means. I think a good question for me, at least at this point when I was preparing for this Sunday was, okay, wait, what does that mean then? If in verse seven you say, don't pray with meaningless repetition, and then you say, pray then in this way, what are you saying? I'm not sure exactly. So let's look at that. And I, I went on a bit of a journey in preparing for this message today. And I realized it was helpful to look at this, what we call the Lord's Prayer, I, I, I found that it was helpful to look at it in the context that we find it in. And I want to look at three different layers of context this morning, somewhat briefly. Um, but uh, I, I think we need to look at 
briefly what the entirety of the Bible has to say about prayer. So we'll look at that here in just a second. I'll run through real quickly. Like, like my question was, wait, is this, this isn't the first time prayer is mentioned, right? Because if it is, then that says some things. But if it's not, then that will probably also say some things. So we'll look at the first layer is, we'll look at the context of this the Lord's Prayer, these verses, find itself in the entirety of the Bible. So what does the entirety of the Bible have to say about prayer? And we'll look at also the context of the Sermon on the Mount, because these verses find themselves in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching us how to live, and he is giving us the Lord's Prayer as a part of that. And then three, we will look at the context of specifically chapter 6, where Jesus is speaking to us again as one who is concerned that we won't live in such a way as to receive a reward. So we're going to look at that. So first, briefly, again, I don't know how long this is going to take. This is my first time preaching, so I could be here for another 30 minutes. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how long it takes me to get through. We're here till I get through the last page, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, I, when I was practicing it, there were times I finished it in like 25 minutes and times it was 45. So who knows? I don't know. I, and I don't really know how to help that. So this is my first time. Bear with me. So <laughs> briefly, though, we will look at, and I promise it's briefly, we will look at what the entirety of the Bible has to say about prayer. First of all, when I went looking for prayer, just thumbing through the Bible, looking through, just flipping through, I found prayer everywhere. It's like cover to cover. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, and this probably sounds really obvious to you awesome Christians, but I started looking, I'm like, prayer is everywhere in this book. And I, really, it's in Genesis as early as Genesis 4. When these men started to call upon the name of the Lord. And we see it in the life, all throughout the life of Abraham. We see intercessory prayers, just like contending on behalf of others, praying on behalf of others. We see it as early as Moses interceding on behalf of people. And specifically in Deuteronomy 9, Moses spent 40 days in prayer on a mountain in intercession for an entire nation which is crazy. Uh, Samuel prays, Solomon prays, Hezekiah prays in uh, 2 Kings, Job, the whole thing is basically a prayer, him talking to God. Psalms is full of intercession, praise, and worship, all forms of prayer. The prophets all prayed all the time. They heard from God and then told people what God was saying. Daniel prayed three times a day and was even prepared to die rather than stop praying. I, don't, I haven't viewed prayer in that way, that's for sure. Uh, and in chapter 9 and 10, Daniel specifically, he prays and fasts for 21 days, and then an angel showed up, so there's that. <laughs> I don't know if that's happened in your prayer times or not. But. And then in Ezra 8, uh, Ezra prays, but then also encourages everyone to pray. Nehemiah, Jonah, Habakkuk, they all prayed, and their prayers are recorded in the Bible, and so much more, obviously. There is so much prayer as we look at the Old Testament, and when I went looking for it, I found it everywhere. And I would encourage you, too, to do that. In the New Testament, what about the New Testament? As I started looking in there, I realized, okay, well, I'll start with the life of Jesus. He's obviously the place that I want to look first, and I see him praying all the time. He, his, the Gospels begin with him going off to pray. Luke records that Jesus often withdrew to pray. Luke 3, Jesus prayed and the Holy Spirit fell on him. Luke 6, Jesus prayed even at night. Can lose sleep for prayer. All right. John 17, Jesus prays for you and me. And he even prayed in Gethsemane in this garden on the night before he was to be crucified. And he even prayed on the cross. 
Just like, okay, it's not a secondary option. It's not a list to be prayed. It's not. <laughs> and he taught us to pray. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. But it, it's safe to say that prayer is a massive part of Jesus' life. And when I went looking for it, I found it everywhere in his life. But it also, the emphasis on prayer doesn't stop there. It continues on uh, in the life of the church. After Jesus ascended into heaven in the life of the church, the disciples gathered to pray after Jesus ascended. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and they prayed in different languages and people came. I mean, the church was literally birthed in prayer. And it continued in prayer. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to prayer, which is why our life groups pray every week. Because it's there. It's right here. <laughs> Acts 4, the church turned to prayer in the face of persecution. Acts 6.4 says the greatest priority of the church was to gather and pray. Paul was converted and immediately began to pray. Peter and Cornelius prayed and the gospel was sent to the Gentiles. So essentially you and I are here believing and following Jesus because two guys got together and prayed. Prayer is all over the New Testament. And when I went looking for it, I found it everywhere. Uh, and again, that's probably super obvious to you that prayer is everywhere in the Bible. But I went on this journey, okay, in the context, reading these verses where Jesus is saying, pray then like this, what is he saying? And I found it helpful to look at the entirety of the Bible for a second. What I see there, I don't see the different ways that I viewed prayer. I don't see it as a list of things to involve him on because I'm living my life and I need him to do some things. I don't see it as a secondary option. I see it, it, it's more the running definition I have is what I see from cover to cover is prayer is a relationship with God. I see that more and more. That's a very like basic rudimentary definition. But when I read it from cover to cover, I'm like, this is the way people are actually relating to God. They're hearing from him. They're talking to him. And again, you guys probably already understand that. You guys are all amazing Christians, but that helped me a lot to look at that in the context there. And there's so much more we could have gotten to, but it's my first time preaching. Give me a break. Uh, the second context I think we need to look at is uh, the context of this prayer being within the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been discussing, is teaching us how to live. And he gives us this model for prayer inside of this sermon he's giving us on how to live. This whole series, Christian Living, is based on the fact that God is giving us a way to live as Christians, as Christ followers. So in the context of the entire Bible and in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, we begin to see what is God actually, what is Jesus actually saying to us here? What is he actually saying to us here? We have those two layers of context. But the one that's really important to me, those are important, but what is really important is that we are in chapter six where Jesus is teaching us how to live in such a way to receive the reward. And uh, as we discussed it last week, he's concerned for us that we won't live that way, that we won't live for him and his kingdom, and then therefore we won't receive him and his kingdom. And so he's teaching us how to live in that way. In chapter six and in all of the Bible, really, we see also that Jesus is speaking to us about prayer with a rightfully centered lifestyle, right? Like Jesus isn't uh, self-centered, although maybe he is, you know, he's one in three. So maybe he is self-centered, but he's, he's 
actually, he's modeling for us a right way to live. He's not speaking from a place of like, oh, I've used to view prayer in this way. He is speaking to us on this is the right way to live and I'm living it and I want to teach you how to be with the Father in this way too. I wanna teach you how to live in this way too. Uh, because, uh, so therefore, I think it's safe to say, as we look at these three layers of context, Jesus is not giving us words to repeat every day. And I probably could have just said that rather than going through the, the context there, but I felt like it was important because we read it and it's like, he's saying to pray like this, say these words. But in verse seven, we saw that he's saying, don't Pray meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. But in the context of everything, he's saying, be with God in this way. Live with God in this way. Live this way so you'll receive the reward. Live this way. Pray then like this. That's what he's saying. So let's, let's read it line by line and see how he's te- teaching us how to live. Let's go through it. You guys ready? Okay, so now I'm actually gonna read all of it and not just stop at verse nine. He says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First thing I want to point out when I first read this uh, and when I looked at some commentaries on this, I realized that this is broken up into, seemingly broken up into two sections of three statements here. And I just point that out to, to point out that I, it, I think this, that's on purpose. I don't think that that is uh, by chance, but the first three are focusing on God and on God's glory. So he's teaching us how to live. He says, pray then in this way, which in the context we're understanding as live like this, live then in this way. He's saying the first three are about God and God's glory, which I think tells us a lot. And then the, the last three are about us or about how we, how we're a part of a body. So let's pray for some of that. And so we're gonna go in this line by line. And I also wanna point out that the original language here um, is a lot more like, uh, like we're, instead of asking for stuff, like we're agreeing with. Like these are agreeing with statements, not necessarily asking for statements. And I think you'll see what I mean when we get into them, but it's, it's less like I'm asking, praying a list. It's more like I'm agreeing with the reality of the situation here. Okay, so the first one, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when looking at this, I realized I didn't know what hallowed meant super well. So I I had to look that up. It means to hallow means to honor as holy. Jesus is teaching us how to live by teaching us to orient our lives around the Father. This, you see how this could be one of those iceberg kind of things? He's not just telling us pray these prayers every day or say these words everything, every day. He is teaching us how to live. So maybe it's helpful to do it in like an example form. He's teaching us how to live by saying, okay, God, you're holy and your name is holy and I pray that your name would be honored as holy in my life, in our lives, in this situation or in that situation. Would your name be honored as holy? I pray that we would all see you rightly as holy and that the sum of our lives 
and the sum of what you would have us do would bring honor to your name. He's saying, like, come under. This is how you're supposed to live. Come under him and his name and honor it as holy. Your kingdom come. Let's look at this. I'm gonna separate your kingdom come and your will be done. They're similar, but they're a little different. Your kingdom come. Jesus is teaching us how to live our lives based on the fact that it's God's kingdom that has come and is coming, not ours. He's saying, orient your life around me. This is how you're supposed to live. God's kingdom, what is that? It's where he rules and reigns. And so, and in praying this, what we're doing is we're taking our lives and we're giving it to him. In praying this, it's your kingdom, not mine. It's your kingdom that has come and is coming. So I give my life to that. I give my life to your rule and reign. Do what you want with my life. Jesus is teaching us how to live here. So to recap, he says, it's your name, not mine, or anyone else's that is to be honored as holy. Let your name be honored as holy in my life today. And it's your kingdom that I'm living for, not mine or anyone else's. So I welcome your rule and reign in my life today. All right, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us how to live by keeping our lives centered on the plans and purposes of God here. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's teaching us how to live by keeping our lives centered on the plans and purposes of God. He is teaching us to stay surrendered to the Father's way of life. This is how he lived, right? Like when we look at the life of Jesus, this is how he was living. So to recap, this is what he's saying. He's come under him. These are the first three, so it's all about God and his glory. It's your name, not mine, that should be honored as holy. It's your kingdom, not mine that I should be living for. So I submit to your rule and reign and it's your will that needs to be done. After all, you're the king. So tell me what to do and I'll do it. This is Jesus positioning himself every day. This is our good religion that we've been talking about. This is it. He is saying, this is how you do it. This is how I do it. So each of these three deal with God's glory. And in each of these three, Jesus is helping us live rightly with good religion. And again, we find good religion as the rituals or the habits or the routines that help us lean in on the grace of God. He's saying, you want to lean on the grace of God? Do this every day. Orient your life around his name, around his kingdom and his will. Start there. Start there. Let's look at the next three. These three focus on us. And I think when it says, give us this day our daily bread, it's important for me to realize it's saying us because we're a part of a body. Yes, we all have individual relationships with him, but we are all part of the greater body and he is speaking to that body here and he is teaching us how to live. So let's look at the first one. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, what is bread? That was the question I had. Like, am I asking, do I need to eat bread every day? Is that what I'm asking for? Now, bread in the Bible is your general needs. Like, okay, he's teaching us here to live every day by coming to God and asking for what we need. No more, no less for today, what we need to do what he says to do. That's his will. We just asked, we just prayed the prayer about, it's your will, tell me what to do. Now give me exactly what I need to do your will. So the bread equals what we need the daily bread equals today, what I need. And I think the emphasis on today is important. I think what he's trying to tell us is that the gift I've given you today is important. 
You can't get yesterday back. You're not promised tomorrow. So today, what are you going to do? Are you going to live for me? If so, you're going to need some stuff to do that. And he teaches us to pray that we wouldn't get too much. He, does, he knows that we can get distracted by having too much, but he also knows we need what we need. So he's leading us and saying, give me exactly what I need. I want to be content with what you give me. So to recap, it's your name that I'm living for. It's your name that should be honored as holy, not mine. It's your kingdom that has come and is coming, and I'm living for it. It's your will. I'm positioning myself. Now give me what I need to do whatever it is you just told me to do today, and help me do it. The next part, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Okay, again, I had to look into this. I'm like debts, normally I hear that, and I'm like, uh, that's money talk, so forgive us our Debts, that's awesome. Uh, what are you saying? No, what he means here, it, what this original word is, uh, it means sin. So he's saying, forgive us uh, our sin. But he's not saying, because I, it took me a while, I started looking at him like, okay, is he saying I need to repent and, and like ask for salvation every day? Uh, that's not what he's going after here. That'd be ridiculous. He is saying, no, I, he knows the life that we're living. He knows uh, the, the, what it means to be human. Like he knows it and he knows that uh, we aren't leaning on the grace of God every day like he is. And he knows that we every day fall short and we need to ask him to forgive us because those things are gonna hinder us from posturing ourselves under his name, his kingdom, his will. If there's stuff that we're doing that's not right, it's gonna hinder us from doing what he's telling us to do. So he's saying, Ask for forgiveness. Ask God to show you where you're in the wrong so you can not do that anymore and be with him and live in this way. And I think that's important to make note of because when I read this, I'm like, okay, I, it's, it's important to remember that we fall short. Paul writes, all have sinned, which is in past tense, all have sinned. Yes, we've sinned. And we, and we fall short, which is present tense. So like we're falling short. And what, what Jesus is teaching us to do here is every day, ask God to forgive you, to remove that stuff from your life so it doesn't hinder you from living his will today. Because today, yeah, you can't get back yesterday. Yeah, you, you fell. But today, reorient, start in this place. And like, I wanna be free of that stuff so I can do whatever it is you just asked me to do today. And the next part, and as, as we also forgive our debtors, Jesus also knows that unforgiveness can choke out whatever it is that we're trying to do. Unforgiveness is a big deal. I mean, he even talks about it after, these prayer, after this prayer. He says, let's see, turn the page. He says in verse 14 and 18, after he gives us this pray then in this way and he gives us the Lord's prayer, he goes in, he says, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. It's like, why does he throw that in again after the prayer? And that he just, why is this in here? I think it's because he knows that unforgiveness in our hearts will stop us from doing what he's calling us to do. And he cares so much about us being with him, living to receive the reward, which is him. He's saying, deal with it. And you, I need you to see yourselves rightly here. The stuff you've done to my father is far greater than anything anybody's ever done to you, so deal with it. Uh, forgive them. And he just is telling us to do that. 
And there's, there's a few parables on that, right? There's a few parables on the, the guy who doesn't forgive a debt that's pretty small in comparison to the one he was just forgiven. He cares about this and he's leading us in that. So to recap, he's saying it's your name that I'm living for that needs to be honored. And it's your kingdom and it's your will that I'm living for. Now give me exactly what I need to do that today. And forgive me where the stuff that I'm carrying that I need to let go of, help me do that. Forgive me for that because I want to be free to do what you've called me to. And the stuff where people have wronged me, help me forgive them because I want to be free to do what you're calling me to do, what you're saying to do. All right, and the last one, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This temptation means uh, enticement to evil, but we know in the context of the Bible that God does not tempt us. And so when I looked at this, what I found was this uh, lead us not and deliver us from, they both mean something very similar. This was actually a Semitic way of expressing something, sharing two phrases that mean the same thing or similar things. He is saying, keep us away. Lead us not and deliver us from can be read as keep us away from. And it makes sense, right? If we look at this, not as just things to pray every day, but if we look at this as the iceberg thing, he's teaching us how to live. It would make sense that as we're praying, it's your name we wanna honor today that I'm giving my life for. It's your kingdom, all this stuff. And lead me away from things that would distract me from doing that. Lead me away from, and Jesus is, is teaching us how to live here by realizing that we need his help in staying away from that stuff. We need his grace. This is the good religion that he's given us every day. Let's lean in to this. And Jesus is saying it because he is well aware of the spiritual forces that would lead us astray. He is well aware of the, the, the weakness of the flesh. And he is saying, you need God to beat both of those things. So pray it every day, start there. Help me not get distracted and help me in my weakness. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus is teaching us, um, but he is not just teaching us words to repeat every day. He has given us this. Band, you guys can go ahead and come on up. The other thing that I stressed most about, which I just did it, so here we go. We're, we're good now. Um, but uh, he is teaching us how to pray. But he is more than giving us words to repeat. He is teaching us how to live. And when we do this, when we go through this every day and reorient our lives in this way every day, we will live surrendered and submitted lives to him, as Jesus did. We'll be with the Father, and the Father will make his home in us. We will be with him, and we will receive him as the reward. We will be set apart. We will be holy. You know, Paul wrote it in this way. He said, pray without ceasing. And if you think of prayer as words to say, you have lots of questions when you hear Paul write that. You're like, wait, am I literally supposed to mumble things all day long? What he's saying is do this without ceasing. Orient your life under him and be in relationship with God without ceasing. Constantly hear what he has to say. Surrender to his will, to his name being honored, not yours, to his kingdom. Do this continuously without ceasing. And as we close this morning, I do want to suggest to you that God is not teaching us simply how, uh, words to say every day, but he is teaching us how to be holy. 
in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, in the context of chapter 6, what he is leading us into is to live in such a way as to receive a reward. He's the reward for us to be with him. He demands that we be holy. And he is showing us that prayer is the way to do that. Prayer is the way to lean on the grace of God, to be in relationship with him as early as you can and every day. He is saying, get to this point. He's saying, it's your name, not mine, or anyone else's that needs to be honored as holy. Let your name be honored as holy in my life. And it's your kingdom that I'm living for, not mine, or anyone else's. So I welcome your rule and reign in my life today. And it's your will that I want to do. You're the king after all, so tell me what to do, and I'll do it. So give me exactly what I need today to do what you're asking me to do. Not too much. I don't want to get distracted and not too little. I need to have what I need. And forgive me for the things I've done that would hinder me from doing what you've asked me to do and help me be free to forgive others and save me from the things that would distract me and lead me away from you. What would happen if we did this every day? If we prayed then like this every day? I think the kingdom would come in your life. And I think the kingdom would come in our lives in ways we've never seen before. So in our response time today, we're going to have some of our prayer team up. My, my response to you, my, my invitation to you in response time is I'd like to invite you to do whatever it takes in this moment to orient to him in this way. Pray through these verses. Use them as, a, as, as Jesus is giving to us, them to us as a way to orient our lives to him and say, I, I, we want to be yours. Let's do that together this morning. I'm going to pray for us. Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're teaching us how to live. And uh, we come to you this morning. We say, we want that. We want to be with you. We want the reward of you. And we know that you want us. So we come and we orient our lives correctly to you in this moment. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.